It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Wes Goldberg, Warriors writer for the Mercury News. The Warriors lost to the Heat 113-101, to but the night was marked by the Warriors welcoming Andre Iguodala to Chase Center. The entire night had a celebratory vibe. The Warriors really rolled out the red carpet behind Iguodala at his pregame press conference. They had an LED board showing a photo of him at the championship parade near uh, Lake Merritt. Clay Thompson gave a speech before the game. Iguodala addressed the fans before the game. They also had a tribute video. Uh, it was it was a real spectacle, and the whole thing was pretty weird, quite honestly. Uh, it was weird to see Iguodala in another jersey um, playing against the Warriors. That said, with Iguodala on the court, with Curry and Thompson on the sideline, it really does remind you just how far these Warriors uh, have fallen. You know, you don't have all of these championship-caliber players, these guys who won titles, uh, playing right now. And instead, you've got, you know, Andrew Wiggins uh, putting up 14 shots. You've got Damian Lee leading the team in points with 26. And uh, it it is striking because talking with uh, Iguodala's former teammates and Steve Kerr before the game... All of them just kept talking about how much they missed Iguodala, and and obviously you miss him because of his defense and his veteran presence, but um, and his length. I mean, one of the reasons why you go out and get an Andrew Wiggins is because he provides you some of that length that you lost with Iguodala. But uh, my, one of my problems with all of the Andrew Wiggins analysis coming out after the trade deadline was all the comparisons to Andre Iguodala, and it's just not it's just not accurate. It it it. What, what set Iguodala apart was his basketball IQ, just how smart he was, how he, how anticipatory he was, uh, how he was able to just guess or know what the opposing offense was going to do and how he could blow it up. And it was very similar to Draymond Green in that respect. And, and Draymond Green was the only guy playing from those championship teams tonight for the Warriors. And, um... You know, they have that, obviously, with Draymond, but it, it takes more than one, and that's what made those defenses so hard to penetrate. When you had Draymond Green anticipating and blowing things up, you had Iguodala anticipating and blowing things up. Uh, Steph Curry, while not a physical defender, knows where to be. He's a smart guy. He's a good communicator. Klay Thompson, obviously, an incredible on-ball defender. Um, and, you know, you're going to get Klay Thompson back next year. Draymond Green should be playing a little bit better than he is now when he's really motivated to do so. Um, and obviously having Curry back will help, but the Warriors really need to figure out defensively what they're going to do because I don't think even that is enough to make this a better defensive team. And we're going to get to some of their defensive weaknesses here in a little bit, but just from a personnel perspective, um, you know, Kai Bowman, Damian Lee is your backcourt. Um you know that that's not going to be the case next year. You're going to upgrade there with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, but 
who's coming off the bench? I mean, that, that was one of the big losses with Glenn Robinson. I think they viewed him as a guy who can come off the bench and provide some of that smart, reliable defense. But who is it next year? Who is your who's your ball stopper outside of Clay Thompson next year? Is it Andrew Wiggins? Because they might, they need it to be Andrew Wiggins. They Andrew Wiggins guarded LeBron James. I thought he actually did a pretty good job against the Lakers. Um, uh, on on Monday night, he guarded Jimmy Butler quite a bit, but he was also on a lot of other players. Um, the Warriors are going to switch a lot, but if if you know against Jimmy Butler, he gave up 21 points. Butler went nine of 15 from the floor. It was a really efficient night for him. So I do think that uh, you're obviously taking a step back with Wiggins. And, and look, it's only been two games. You're going to try to make the most out of that. You're going to try to make him better. If you could, I, I think you can assume a bump. Like going from Minnesota to Golden State, you could probably just assume a 20% bump in, in just defensive ability. I just think ha- being in the Warriors system, being within that culture should serve him well. Um, and should, he should just improve on, on that end. But... Overall, I thought the, the Warriors had a pretty rough night defensively against a Heat team that is good defensively, but not not necessarily potent offensively, right? They're, they're a good offensive team, but they're not blowing the doors off of you. And they, they had a really efficient night overall, shooting 49.4% overall. Again, Jim Butler, 21 points. Jay Crowder off the bench, 21 points, 6 of 11 shooting. Um, Duncan Robinson went 5 of 13 from three-point range. He had 17 points in the game. I mean, so it was coming from all over the place against the Warriors, but... Um, they fall to 12 and 42. The Heat roll on 35 and 18 for the season. Iguodala playing for a real contender in Miami. I think that that team can actually do something. Uh, so if you're looking for an Eastern Conference cont- uh, team to root for, if you're a Warriors fan, I mean, why not? Why not the Heat? They have Andre Iguodala now. They do a lot of the things that the Warriors liked to do as far as defensive versatility, moving the ball, um, all that stuff, drive and kick. So. Uh, they have maybe more answers for Giannis Antetokounmpo than any other team in the East. I mean, you're able to throw Jimmy Butler, Derek Jones Jr., Bam Adebayo, Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala. All these guys you're able to now throw at Giannis. So they've got actually a pretty good shot there in the East. Granted, I may be biased, but uh, I was impressed by what I saw from them overall. Uh, a couple of other stats really quick from the Warriors. Damian Lee, I mentioned him, 26 points on 7 of 12 shooting, 5 of 7 from 3-point range. Kai Bowman had another rough night, 2 points on 1 of 4 shooting, um, just 2 assists uh, after his 10 assist uh, night against the Lakers. And uh, Wiggins, 18 points on 6 of 14 shooting. Marquise Chris, 17 points of five, on 5 of 10 shooting to go along with 9 rebounds. Uh, the Warriors... Never really had a chance in the game. There was never a point where I thought that they would actually win the game, but they did in the third quarter outscore the Heat 32 to 21. They made it a four point game after I'd previously trailed by 24 points. And, you know, I think after the game, Steve Kerr and, and a lot of the players pointed to that third quarter as the way that they want to play going forward. And the way they played in that third quarter was pushing the pace, pushing the tempo, uh, creating turnovers, and creating transition opportunities off of those turnovers. And, and then, obviously, the ball movement was there. I thought Andrew Wiggins was a lot more aggressive in the third quarter as far as not necessarily forcing his shots, but when he saw an opening, just driving to the rim and attacking uh, and making the most out of whatever opening that there was, being a little bit less passive, which is what they need to do, especially when 
um, they're as injured as they are right now. I mean, obviously, when Steph and Clay come back, he's not going to have to do that as much. Things are going to be a little bit more open for him. But in the meantime, that's the sort of thing that he's going to uh, have to do. The stat of the game is next. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy, golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's time for the stat of the game. And that number is 50, which is the amount of points in the paint the Warriors gave up to the Heat. And it happened early, and it happened often. In the first quarter, I believe uh, 11 of Miami's first 14 points came in the paint, or it was something like that, 12 of their first 14, something to that effect, came in the paint. And really, it was just Jimmy Butler waltzing right into the the rim and laying it up over and over and over again. And and it it was a tough start I think for Golden State and kind of a weird start I mean yeah we know that they're they don't have the size to guard the rim you're starting Marquise Chris at center you're going to lose a little bit of size there but there's still no excuse for what they were what they were giving up just these just unimpeded forays to the rim by Miami's ball handlers and then obviously that starts leading to you know you're you're pushing up against your ball handlers a little bit more on the pick and roll. That opens up lobs for Bam Adebayo and Derek Jones Jr., which is one of their, the, the Heat's staple plays. And I thought that just sort of got away from them quickly. Uh, after that, the Heat started hitting, hitting open threes. And, and, you know, you're instead of closing out on shooters aggressively and timely, you are crashing the paint a little bit more to guard against guys getting to the rim. And so you're a little bit out of position when they drive and kick and shoot and get out to open shooters. So they're 50 points in the paint. I mean, of 113 points, 50 of them came within the paint. That's bad. Uh, and then that results in a 49.4% shooting night, almost 50% from the floor overall for the Heat all night. So the Warriors really had never had a chance. I mentioned they got it to within four, but it never really felt like the Heat were going to lose that game. It never felt like the Warriors were going to win that game, ever. Um you know, kudos to cutting the lead to four. Kudos to having like a nice third quarter where you can watch film and feel good about yourself. But I mean, this is a Heat team that just completely outplayed and outclassed them, and and you know, that's what's going to happen this season. But I do think it underscores uh, an under uh, another issue for the Warriors, which is okay. Yeah, Marquise Chris, we all like what we've seen from him. And look, I'm not, this is not a knock against Chris. This is. He's been really impressive in the two games since getting his two-way contract converted to a standard deal. Uh, I thought he's been really good, and he's obviously had highlight plays with the lobs and things like that. But and he's out, and he's putting up great numbers: twenty-six points against the Lakers, seventeen points against the Heat, uh, eighteen rebounds in those two games combined. But you're you're missing something defensively. I mean, you just are, and I don't know that 
if you're not going to out and if you're not going to outscore your opponent, which the Warriors obviously are not going to do, then it's really tough to play a guy like that at center. And that's why the Warriors have a needed center. That's why they are pointing to free agency as a means to address the center position. Maybe I don't know that this would have been the night though where you're playing a more traditional center. Bam Adebayo is. You know, he's this modern center. He is the next evolution of Draymond Green. And uh, there's guys like that in the NBA that are just, I mean, not a whole lot of guys like Bam necessarily, but versatile centers who, I mean, the Heat were inbounding the ball to Bam. He was bringing the ball up the floor like a point guard, for God's sake. And if you're the Warriors, you, you need to be able to deal with that. You are so ahead of things with Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, the guys shooting threes and the Splash Brothers and all this ball movement and, and the switching defense and the death lineups and all that stuff, it's now how are you going to get ahead? Because guys like Bam, guys like Luka Doncic, guys like Ben Simmons, guys like Joel Embiid, guys like Nikola Jokic, I mean, those guys are coming. And that's hard to deal with. And then you look at what the Lakers have with a little bit more of a traditional pick and roll, but LeBron James and Anthony Davis, they look like a traditional pick and roll pairing, but Anthony Davis can shoot the three. LeBron James is 6'10. Right? He's not your normal ball handler. He can go just go get to the rim. So how are you dealing with that? How are you dealing with size like that in LA? How are you dealing with versatile players all across the NBA now? Is it enough? To just wait and bring on a traditional center in free agency, get guys healthy, maybe find a way to get small again with Andrew Wiggins or Draymond Green in your front court. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Uh, if the Warriors really want to win a championship, I'm not talking about contending, maybe getting to the Western Conference final. If they really want to win a championship, they have to put opponents in really difficult situations again. And I thought the Heat did that to the Warriors tonight. They put them in really difficult situations really often. And the 50 points in the paint reflected that. Because you don't just give up 50 points in the paint. Steve Kerr routine, routinely says the first thing you need to do is protect the rim. That is the first That is the first thing on the to-do list on the defensive end. And they just did not from the very beginning. And it wasn't for a lack of trying. I think it was just they didn't know what to do. They looked confused out there. And it's a young team, and I get it. And they're giving up some size, so I get it. But even when you get these guys back, I mean, is Kevon Looney really going to help? Maybe. Maybe. Can you trust him? Can you trust him to play more than 20 minutes a game? Can you trust him to play more than 50 games in a season? I don't. Is it enough to just sign a traditional center in free agency? I don't know. Is Andrew Wiggins enough of an answer on the wing? I don't think he is. I still think that the Warriors, un- like what was really quiet, like what was really underrated about the Warriors with Kevin Durant was that Kevin Durant was basically playing center for them, not Draymond Green. And at times, Durant was the best center in the league when they went small with that Hamptons five lineup. The way he could stretch the floor, the way that he could guard the rim—I mean, that is so rare. That is so rare. What are you going to do against Giannis if you meet him in the NBA Finals? What's the answer to that? Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins? No. I don't know that this is an answer that the Warriors can um, address this free agency, but it's something they need to think about. What is the next step? How do you get light years ahead? Because look, 
Everybody else is shooting threes right now. Just look at what Damian Lillard is doing. It's almost as impressive. I mean, this last week is as impressive as anything Steph Curry has ever done. I mean, there are. I'm not. I'm not saying Damian Lillard is as good as Steph Curry, but the rest of the league is catching up, folks. And the Warriors obviously are rebuilding this year, but they've got to really figure out how can they take a quantum leap forward. One more thought on Jordan Poole's role going forward. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Now more than ever, you need a laptop that can be as adaptable as you are. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Finally, a premium laptop at an affordable price. Starting at just $549, its light, thin design, vibrant touchscreen, powerful processor, and built-in HD camera and mic turns any room in your home into a classroom, office, or study hall. Available in three amazing colors the whole family will love. Visit surface.com slash laptop go for more details. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Jordan Poole had 12 points in 31 minutes. He also had uh, two assists, zero turnovers, six rebounds. I want to focus on the assists, though. He only had two assists, but... And and he didn't have a good shooting night. I, I mean, I mentioned the 12 points, but he, it took 11 shots. He went 3 of 11 overall, 0 of 4 from three-point range. However, he was a plus nine, which was a team high. Plus nine, team high in the box score, plus minus. That is remarkable. For Let's remember how bad Jordan Poole was at the beginning of the season. So to be a plus nine, a team high plus nine, for Steve Kerr to trust him in closing lineups now in, in several of the last few games really shows the development that Jordan Poole has made this season. And I've been really bullish on what I've seen from Jordan Poole lately. I think he's going to be a good player, man. I think he's going to be a good player. And I think he might be able to fill that void left by a guy like Sean Livingston, where he's got a really good feel for the game. Um, he's an underrated passer, and he can fill in that, that backup guard spot a little bit and maybe guard, and, and guard a couple of different positions. I'm not sure he's ready to guard three positions, but I think he can guard both backcourt positions. And that, was, that would be the difference between him and Livingston, is Livingston was able to guard basically three positions. But he's also a much better shooter than Sean Livingston was. And I, and I think that that's going to be helpful for this team. If you're looking for a guy who can guard a couple of positions, make plays, make smart basketball winning plays, while being able to contribute offensively in a way that Livingston and, and even Iguodala were not able to contribute offensively as far as just scoring the ball... Uh, Jordan Poole could be a real asset going forward, especially when you consider they, you know, trading away a guy like Alec Burks. They're not going to have that bench score going forward. I mean, Jordan Poole could fill that void. And, I mean, he made a couple of passes tonight where I I almost fell out of my chair on press row. I, he had this one full-court pass that he whipped around a, a, a Miami Heat defender uh, to Marquise Chris on the other end. It was one of his two assists, but it was this touchdown pass, like the side-armed Patrick Mahomes throw that... Blew my mind, and I couldn't find a highlight of it anywhere online. I'll try to find it and tweet it out because I've been meaning to, tr- to, to do that. But uh, it, 
I mean, it really it blew my mind. It was an incredible play. It was a. It was just the first of all the vision to see it, the anticipation to know that Marquise Chris was going to be there, and then the ability, the, just the accuracy to pull it off. I mean, it was a Patrick Mahomes touchdown pass. It was a really impressive pass, and I, he's made things. He's done that. He's flashed that every once in a while, where you just watch and you're just like, "Holy smokes! How did he see that? Where did that come from?" Because it, it, it's in flashes. It's not all the time with Jordan Poole. It, he flashes this ability, which is, you know, normal for a rookie. But when he's able to put those things together and, again, kind of become a plus nine in the box score, when he's able to show those flashes but consistently contribute and make the right play and, more importantly, not make the wrong play as he was so often earlier in the season, I mean, that shows why he's gotten the trust of the coaching staff. And I know I've been bullish on Jordan Poole for quite a while on this show. But when Steve Kerr starts playing him in crunch time, when he starts playing him 31 minutes a night, that goes a long way. And I think these next 29 games are going to be really, really big uh, for Jordan Poole. He's going to be able to, I mean, I, I talked in the last episode about, you know, what, what the next few games mean for Kai Bowman. They're equally as important, if not more important, I think, for Jordan Poole. And if the Warriors don't want to address backup point guard in free agency, maybe Jordan Poole is an answer there. I mean, he could be a backup point guard going forward. I mean, he played point guard before he got to Michigan. He was a point guard in high school, and he went. He ended up going off the ball in, in John Beeline's system in Michigan. I think he should be on the ball more. That's his natural position, I think. He's a natural playmaker. He's got great vision. Um, maybe he's not running an offense, but as a secondary playmaker, I think he's got a lot of value in this league. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Thanks for listening. Hey, Bay Area sports fans. This is Ben Kaspic, host of the Locked On Giants podcast, which should be the next Locked On podcast you fire up in your feed. The MLB offseason is closing in, and I'll have you covered every day, breaking down the rumors, speculation, and transactions that'll shape next year's Giants team. Subscribe to Locked On Giants right now on your favorite podcast provider. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you are looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.